It's always great to be with you. Uh, I want to invite you now to open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, today we're continuing our study uh, of this amazing letter. Uh, we know that, that 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, uh, who was a follower of Jesus, a friend of Jesus, uh, a leader in the early church, uh, and a personal eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of this letter is, is really simple. It was written by Peter to encourage Christians to stand firm in the faith. To encourage followers of Jesus, he calls them exiles, sojourners, to encourage us on how to navigate life in a world that is not our true home. Up to this point, we worked through chapter 1 and, and half of chapter 2. And what we've seen thus far is Peter encouraging us by telling us who we are in Jesus. He has reminded us that we are, we are born again once. That you and I, those who know and follow Jesus, that we have an unfading, everlasting, unshakable inheritance that's waiting for us. He's also told us that we are living stones that are being built upon the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And then last week, we talked about the amazing reality that for those who are followers of Jesus, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and that actually we are God's very own possession. This letter is full of of so much truth, so much encouragement right from the very start. But what we're going to see happen with our text today uh, is Peter shift from, from telling us who we are in Jesus to helping us think through how we are to live in this world in light of who we are in Jesus. He's going to talk about our relationships, uh, how we're supposed to relate to our our bosses and our employees, uh, how we're to relate to suffering. And today, we're going to see Peter address the government, the government. And the question Peter's going to answer for us today is, how should followers of Jesus view politics? How should we, exiles, and citizens of heaven view politics. Now, uh, I want to say right from the beginning, uh, there are not too many issues that are more difficult to navigate uh, than this one. I mean, in society, uh, I'm sure this is across the world, but particularly in American culture, um, we know there's a general rule, right? There's a general society rule in society. You don't discuss God, right? And you don't talk about politics, right? Thanksgiving is coming. You go with your immediate family, your friends. You get a guy on the table. There's two things. You can talk about anything else. You don't talk about two things. You don't talk about God. You don't talk about politics. But today, we're violating that big time, right? Because we're going to be talking about both together. Um, I also know, uh, going into this discussion... Uh, that this is a very controversial subject, uh, especially right now. There are a lot of emotions 
uh, surrounding politics right now. A lot of division, uh, a lot of opinions, a lot of hot-button issues, you could say. And just to be transparent uh, and honest with you all, um, I was thinking about this when I was studying this uh, this week. Just overall, this year, with everything that's happened, it's been very hard, very hard to know how to lead and exactly what to say about all of this um, as a pastor. Uh, I think through this whole season, just, again, being totally transparent, I've been just sort of dumbfounded by all of this. Um, The Supreme Court issues, Black Lives Matter, um, Antifa, the media, like who can I list, who can we listen to, who can we trust, suppression of information on social media, right? All the election controversy that's like over but not over now, like what's up with that, right? It's been a lot to take in and hard to know exactly how to respond, right? Even amongst Christians, we seem divided, don't we? Your newsfeed will tell you that. I know mine does, right? Uh, we're divided. It's been, it's been tough. But here's the, the good news. Here's the good news. The Bible actually has quite a bit to say and quite a lot to offer us when it comes to politics, including what Peter has written in the text that we're studying this morning. Um, I, I really believe, I really believe that it is God's divine timing, actually, <laughs> That we're here today. I want you to know this. I believe I've said this last week, but I want you to know this sincerely. Um, today's message was not planned. This was not planned. Like I didn't like look and be like, you know what? The election is coming in America, and so we're going to study First Peter, and I'm going to line up eight sermons so that I can talk about politics right after all this has happened. That's not what happened. Um, I just felt like in the spring we're studying First Peter in the fall. We chose a date that worked on the calendar. I worked through the text, and you know me, like it's one verse, three verses at a time, sometimes four, and we're here, okay? Um, Here we are today, talking about politics uh, as the world is confused and talking about politics, So let's jump into this together. We're going to begin in verse 13 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 13. Okay, listen to these, these words. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Peter says this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Amen. Well, the first thing that I want to point out uh, from this text is is found right from the very beginning. Again, we're just going to work through the text this morning. Um, And that is this. Uh, it's really the first thing I want us to know, the first thing we see in the text, that human government is sent from God. Human government is sent from God. 
So how should we view politics in light of who we are as followers of Jesus? Number one, human government is created by God. We start there. We have to start there. Look again at verse 13. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That's the government. Whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors. And then what does it say? As sent by him. As sent by him. So this means that human government is actually uh, not a human invention. It's not a human creation. It's not a, a product of evolution. It's from God. Now, uh, hold your, your place there in your Bible and flip with me to Romans chapter 13. Okay, the Apostle Paul actually has a very similar thing to say uh, as, as Peter But he's actually even more emphatic. And so I I think this morning it's really um, important and very helpful for us to compare the two passages. So we're going to look at this passage starting in verse 1. Romans 13 starting in verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, listen, except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Skip to verse 4. For he, the government, the governors, our leaders, human government, is God's servant for your good. Skip to verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities, what? Listen. For the authorities are ministers of God. Attending to this very thing. So it's pretty clear what Paul is saying here. He's saying the exact same thing that Peter was alluding to. Which is, the human government is created, instituted, and appointed by God as his servant, for what? To regulate human life. And so understand, God has... God has defined the purposes and boundaries of what human government is, not human beings. And also, let's understand that that government realities then, human government realities, are not separate from spiritual realities, which means that human government exists only by permission of the living God, even, even if people don't acknowledge that. Human government exists only by permission of the living God, whether you acknowledge that or not. Do you remember what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate? Pilate was the, the Roman governor over Judea. Um, Jesus is on trial. He's on trial to be crucified. Pilate is there with him. And in John 19.11, Jesus says something very interesting to the governor, right? To the ruler. He says this to him. He says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. He's like, you're about to make this big decision on whether I go to the cross or not. You have the authority 
to make that decision in front of all of these people. You're the ruler here. However, you have no authority at all unless it's been given to you from heaven, from God. And even Jesus, right, after he's died and has risen from the dead, you remember he says this in Matthew 28. He says, what? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's talking about himself. So let's be clear here. In the end, there is really, this has to be our perspective, in the end, there's really only one kingdom. And Jesus rules it as the king of kings and lord of lords. Human government is created by God, which means that he has ultimate authority over it. And why did he create it? Why? Why did he do this? Well, Peter actually gives us insight into that. Look back at verse 14. 14, verse 14. Peter says the government is what? Sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And so what that means, what that means is that human government is created first to judge justly. Okay, if you're taking notes, it's created by God first to judge justly. Right? That's what we see here when Peter says uh, they punish those who do evil to judge justly. And all that means is, is that God intends, God intends for the government as a part of his common grace to bring justice to wrongdoings. Right? So what does that look like? Well, uh, from, from tickets... Right? Speeding tickets. I have a few of those. All right. Okay. This is common grace. I have those tickets. His tickets to fines, right? To probations, to imprisonment, right? So on and so forth. God uses our government here on earth, we'll say it this way, to curb or check, keep in check human sin. We have government, then, so that there isn't just complete and total chaos and anarchy in our world, right? And certainly, government isn't just there for punishment, right? It's not just about punishment. It's also, okay, to judge justly, it's also about affirming the life and the worth of victims of injustice to protect the vulnerable to aid those who are in need, right? So that's one function of human government, to judge justly. And the second we see from Peter here is that the government is actually created by God for our good. It's a second component of this. Human government is created by God for our good. You see that in the second half of verse 14, when Peter says our governors are sent by him, why? He says, to praise those who do good. So another function or role of the government uh, is is to promote what is good, like peace and order and human flourishing. In fact, if you can remember back to that Romans 13 passage, you might have saw that in verse 4, where Paul said that the one in authority is God's servant, 
Why? Why? He says, for your good. For our good. And practically, uh, what does that look like? Well, it's easy to think about this, right? Uh, This looks like the police department, okay? Or the fire department. Or uh, countless other organizations that are meant, intended, to promote human order, peace, right? And our good as we go about our lives. God intends for the government, for the government to help create a, a context where humans can flourish and experience his common grace. That's what, what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 as well. Right? He wrote this to them. He says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then listen. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, he says. So, so we'll stop there just for a second. So Paul is encouraging prayers, okay, intercession to be made for the government and its leaders. Why? He says, so that you and I may lead peaceful and quiet lives. So that we might flourish here on the earth. It's for our good. But, but... This is really important. That's not the end of it, right? There's a greater hope, right? There's a greater purpose in this. What does he say? He says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, verse 4, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we pray for our leaders that we may have a peaceful life and in that, We hope that it would open up a way for people to come to know the truth, for people to be saved. That's the hope here. We pray and we live our lives in such a way that the gospel would spread and so that lives would be transformed by the gospel. So again, we we start there. We have to start there. Human government is created by God. And it's created by God to judge justly and to promote order and flourishing so that the gospel can spread throughout the world. I think a a, a good way to think about this, hopefully this will help you to just kind of simplify it, uh, is to think about guardrails uh, on a highway or a freeway. If you're driving down to Busan or Daegu or you know, in America, you know, there's always those metal guardrails that line the freeway or the highway, right? And guardrails really have two purposes, two purposes. The immediate purpose of a guardrail is to keep cars on the road, right? It's so that if you fall asleep or you're just a bad driver, right? I don't know. And, and you, you, you kind of slip off, you hit that guardrail, it's going to keep you on the road. Hopefully it keeps you from flying off the road. That's one of the purposes, But the larger purpose of a guardrail, okay, a larger purpose of a guardrail is to help cars get where they're going, 
That's the bigger purpose. And it's the same for human government. The immediate purpose of government is to keep society from going off the rails. But the larger or greater purpose is to help help further God's redemptive purposes in the world. And now, I guess it must be said, hopefully you know this, that doesn't mean that human governments always fulfill that purpose. Peter actually isn't saying that here. Of course, we know humans are sinful. And because of that, many times the government is corrupt and distorted. But Peter says these are the intended purposes of government. And therefore, this is how we, as followers of Jesus, how we should and need to view the government as well. Human government is not an accident. Okay? It's not an accident. So it means that we can't look at human government as something that we just dismiss or something we should just get rid of and throw away. It's created by God. It has an actual purpose for the Lord and his work. Number two. Number two, how should we view politics as citizens of heaven? Uh, Number two, we submit ourselves to human government. We submit ourselves to human government. I think this is easier to understand and follow uh, once you understand point one, that human government is created by God. Otherwise, this is a little bit tougher to swallow. What? I have to submit to human people, to the government, to, to to my leaders, government officials? Um, it's a little bit easier to take when you understand it's instituted and created by God. And so keeping that in mind, point one, that it is created by God, instituted by God, he's over it, he has authority over it, we can now hear again, I think with better ears, what Peter says in verse 13. He says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That phrase, be subject, depends on your translation, but it literally means submit yourself. That's what it literally means. Be subject to. Submit. Submit yourself. And that's exactly what Paul said in our Romans 13 passage as well. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, right? That's what he said. And notice as well, Peter could have said, he could have said, submit yourself to most human institutions, He could have said the majority of human institutions. He could have said, submit yourself to all but a few that you don't think are reasonable or sensible. But he doesn't say that. He just says, submit yourself to every, all human institutions. And again, the reason we do this, the reason for that is because we know that human government, human authority... All of it is established by God. It's ordained by God. That's why Peter, in our text, says that we do this. Why? He says it there. For the Lord's sake. We do this for the Lord's sake. So we follow, we obey. Why? Because of the Lord. For his sake, we submit ourselves to human government. We do it to honor him. We submit to human government and its leaders to uphold his name. We do this to represent him well in our world. 
And of course, we know that Jesus modeled this for us as well. Right in Matthew chapter 17, we don't have this on the screen, but you might recall this story. It's a pretty amazing story, really. There's this question floating around about paying the temple tax. Okay, there's a tax at the temple. And, and people want to know, well, Jesus, okay, you're going around and you're this great rabbi, this great teacher. People are saying you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And so uh, should you pay taxes or are your followers going to pay taxes? And so that's the question. And so, so Peter, or so, excuse me, so Jesus asks Peter, okay, the same Peter who writes first Peter here. He asks Peter, he says, Peter, who pays taxes? The sons of the king or the servants? He says, I got a question for you. Who pays taxes? The sons of the king or other people? The servants. And what does Peter say? He says, well, of course, others pay. Right? The son is not going to pay his father. Right? That wouldn't make any sense. And to that, Jesus says, you're absolutely right. You're right. He says this. The sons are free, but to not give offense, pay taxes. That's what he says. And that's exactly what he does. He says, go out, grab a fish. I don't know how this works. These are fishermen. He goes out. They go fishing. They grab a fish, comes back. He opens the fish's mouth, and there's a coin in there. He's like, okay, go pay the taxes. I wish we could all do that. <laughs> right? We, get it, we got to have the money come out of our paychecks, right? Jesus is like, eh, I don't have any money, so go to the Sea of Galilee, grab some fish, and we'll just take coins out of their mouths, right? But the point being there, the point there is, and understand, right? I think this, puts it, this helps us put this in perspective. Jesus is the Son of God who made all of the rules. He created everything. He has all authority. Jesus, we know, we can be certain of this, he was not a citizen of the earth. He came from heaven. But still, but still, as a son of God, citizen of heaven, he chose, he chose to obey the government and pay his taxes while he was here on the earth. And so the message to you and I is, so should we. If Jesus did, so should we. And look what happens when we do that. Look what happens when we do that. We're back to our first Peter passage. It's verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. When we obey the government, okay, when we submit ourselves to governing authorities, look at what happens, verse 15. For this is the will of God that we obey, that we submit, that by doing good, listen, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. What Peter is saying here is when we submit to the government, when we do the right thing, when we live right, when we are good citizens, what happens? We silence, we close the mouths of our opposition. As followers of Jesus, we silence our critics. We silence those who oppose the gospel and who oppose Jesus Christ. Peter says, they're going to have nothing to say about you. They're going to have nothing to say against you. So the simple question for us all, 
The simple question for us all here today is, is this. Is what we are saying and how we are living representing Christ well? Or are they making things worse? And I mean, I mean that in the political, governmental realm. Are we, as followers of Jesus, representing ourselves well right now? In this season, right now. In the way that we are responding to things politically. Because Peter says... We are to live in such a way that we stop the mouths of those who criticize our faith. That we are called to live a life above criticism. We are to live a life above reproach. Which, by the way, is a qualification of an elder. It's something we should, we should strive towards to be these types of people, that you are respected by people, not just inside of the church, inside of the faith, but you are respected by people outside of the faith. They should respect you. We live this way. We choose to live this way to represent Jesus well. But also, because how we live our lives, how we live our lives is the foundation of our witness of Jesus and the gospel. So listen, listen. It is essential, it's essential that we live our lives in such a way that our faith becomes believable. That the transforming power of Jesus is made evident, not just by what you say, but by the way that you live. By who you are. So, so we submit ourselves to the government. We obey for the Lord's sake. And again, we do this to promote peace. So that while there is peace, people may respond to the life-changing news of the gospel. Now, this is where we pause for a minute. Just so I can answer uh, those of you who are asking, well, wait, okay? I get that we're supposed to follow the government, but to what extent? The skeptics in the room and the skeptics of you watching online, you're asking that question. All right, Pastor James is telling us to obey the government, follow the government, okay? But to what extent should I do that? Okay? We're always, as Christians, by the way, aren't we? We're always wanting to know uh, how far to the line we can get. It's not enough that Peter just says, obey every authority. We want to know, well, what does that exactly mean? Because I want to get as close to that line as possible. You do that, I do that. <laughs> okay? So I'm going to answer the question for you. To what extent do we do this? Well, to that question, let me first, again, start off by saying, Peter didn't say submit to most human institutions. Or, listen, he didn't say to submit to your affiliated political party. He did not say that. If President Moon gets elected, okay, you don't have to obey that. Okay, if Trump gets elected again, you don't have to follow him. You don't have to pray for him. Biden takes over, certainly the negative posts start. 
You don't have to follow him. And he doesn't say that. He says every human institution. We submit, we follow, we obey. To which then you again respond. I'm with you today. You respond, yeah, but oh, come on. Come on. There are some really bad kings. Some really bad presidents. Right? Some pretty terrible leaders and judges out there. You know what? You're right. You're right. But do you think, come on, do you think we're the only generation to have bad rulers? We're the only generation ever across history to have bad human government? Let me ask you this. Think about this for a minute. If you think our government is bad, what about Paul's government when he wrote Romans 13 and told us to submit? You think his government in Rome was good or bad? Or how about, listen, how about Peter's government? Do you know who his emperor, who his ruler was, who his president or his king was? His name was Emperor Nero. Nero, read about this. This is not just even in scripture. This is church history. This is just historical record. Nero, this man, so violent, killing Christians, slaughtering Christians. He used to have parties at night. Listen, parties at nighttime. And to celebrate his parties, what he used to do, he used to behead Christians, chop off their heads, put their heads on posts, light the head on fire, and that would become the torches and the flames to light the pathway to his parties. Nero did that. That's Peter's government, Peter's governor. Peter was crucified upside down by that governor, Nero, under that government. But still, what does he say? For the Lord's sake, for his sake, for Christ's sake, for the sake of the gospel, obey the government. I will obey the government. Peter doesn't go kicking and screaming on his way to crucifixion. That's not the historical record. He submits himself even to death. The law is, Jesus is, if Jesus is Lord, I'm dead. You know what? Jesus is Lord. Hands behind my back, goes to the cross. Do not crucify me upwards. I am not worthy to be crucified like my Savior Jesus. Please do it upside down. I cannot take the same posture as my Lord. They crucified him upside down, and he goes silently. He obeys government even to his death. I better get back to my notes because I'm about to say some things. (laughs) I'm about to say some things. Even to his death. And we are so quick. This is in my notes. See, I'm going to get in trouble. We are so quick to jump on social media. (laughs) We are so quick. For the Lord's sake, we obey and we submit. We trust that the Lord is sovereign. We trust that he has ordained. He has ordained. He is the one who has appointed our rulers for his purposes. Sure, there is a vote. And there is a count. You think he's surprised? At the outcome? 
Not only is he not surprised, he allows it, he ordains it. For his plans and for his purposes, we might not understand, but that's what the scriptures say. Now, okay, to those of you, again, some of you are still really skeptical. Skeptical. You're skeptical? There you go. So here's what I'll say. I'll give you your out. There are times we don't obey. There are exceptions to the command. I'll give you an example. Some of you are already thinking of Acts chapter 5. You were hoping I'd close the sermon there so that you can meet me out back and throw it at me. I'll beat you to it, okay? You thought of Acts chapter 5. The Jewish leaders of that time, human government, high priest, they are furious with the followers of Jesus, particularly the apostles. Because they're Jewish men and they know better. And they're going around and preaching about Jesus and the Jewish religion, okay, they're losing tons of converts to Christianity, which means they're losing power, they're losing authority. The high priest is not happy about it. And so what does he do? He goes to the apostles and he says to them, stop, literally, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop it. Stop leading people astray. And at that, it's always Peter. (laughs) Peter steps up, same Peter who wrote 1 Peter. And Peter says this, we must obey God rather than men. That's what he says. And so yes, so yes, here's your out. When the government is asking you to do something against what God has already, listen, commanded us to do, we obey God over men. It's always God over government. Let's clear that, okay? It's always God over government. So so for example, for example, uh, the government says, the government says, at least in a lot of governments, U.S., the government says abortion is permissible. We don't follow. We don't follow. Uh, We follow God who has said that murder is forbidden. It's an abomination to the Lord. Uh, The government identifies and defines marriage for us. The government has done that for us. This is what it looks like. This is what a marriage is. Uh, It's also starting now to define what is a man and what is a woman. There is no gender. The, The human government is stepping in and saying, there is no gender anymore. There's no identity We don't follow. We don't follow. We follow God, the Lord, who has created man, who has created woman, and who has defined marriage and sexuality for us. But of course, we know that politics cover a lot of other issues as well. Tax reform, immigration policy, health care, the environment, public education, foreign policy, right, on and on and on. And while certainly we know that the Bible has things to say about taxes and foreigners and our planet Earth, right, we also know that the Bible doesn't give us specifics on policy on those issues. And so on those particular issues, we need wisdom and discernment. But we also need to admit that on most of these political issues, we have liberty. 
We have Christian freedom to think and give our opinion on what we believe is best. Seeing life through the lens of the Lord, through the lens of the scriptures. So let me just close uh, up this, this thought here. On specific biblical commanded issues, right? we stand firm. Simple. Straight line issues. We stand firm. We obey God, not men. But on other political issues that aren't so black and white, right? issues that are more in that gray zone, we allow freedom and dialogue. Why? For the sake of unity. For the sake of unity. For the sake of our witness and for the gospel. Right? And I think that's so important right now. So important right now. That we allow freedom on these issues, these political issues. So again, human government is something we obey. It's something that we submit ourselves to. Unless, listen, unless it is directly against the command of God. And we do this for his sake, for his sake, and for the sake of our testimony. And then number three, how should we view politics as exiles? How should we view politics as sojourners, as followers of Jesus? Number three, uh, we live as God's free people. We live as God's free people. I was just alluding to this idea of freedom. uh, but, But Peter says this to us more directly in verse 16. Verse 16, he says this. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. This is so important to remember. So important to remember. What Peter's saying there is that in Jesus, we are free. It's really good news. In Jesus, we are free. And we know that. We know that because our ultimate hope Joy and freedom are not bound to the world, but in him who created the world. And therefore, because of that, because of who he is and what he's done, who he's made us to be, we are free, Peter says, to serve the world. We're free. And so because of that, he says, act as free people. You are free. Be free. Act free. You're free from the world. You and I, followers of Christ, we are free from Satan, free from condemnation. You're not bound to this world. You are free in Christ. You've been freed by redemption, freed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And how do we live as free people? How do we do that? Well, he tells us here that we don't use our freedom as a license to do whatever we want. He starts there. Don't you, you are free, but don't use that as a license to just live and do whatever you want. Not at all. Again, obey the government, follow the government. Choose to do that. That's not, that's how you, what you don't do. Here's what you do. Here's how you live as a person who is free. Here's how you live as a certain of, as a citizen of, of this earth. How you be a good citizen here. Here's what that looks like. It's verse 17. It's very pointed. I like it. Very pointed. Verse 17. Four of them. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. 
How do you live as a free person? How do you live on this earth? As a follower of Jesus, as a good citizen, he says, honor everyone. And Peter actually makes it really difficult to find a loophole here. Because it's just two words, even in Greek. Honor everyone. There's no expansion on that. No explanation. Because there isn't and shouldn't be one. As his representatives, we treat everyone with dignity and respect. We treat people, everyone, as though they are created in the image of God. Because they are. Regardless of their status, their authority, who they are, where they're from, everyone is worthy to be honored, he says. And so when it comes to politics, when it comes to politics, yes, I encourage you, discuss it, debate, according to your convictions, but do it kindly. Do it kindly. Be respectful especially as a follower of Jesus, be really quick to listen, be really slow to speak. Watch your tone. Watch your tone. And make sure you're edifying. That's the purpose. You're, you're, you're trying to be edifying. You're trying to build the other person up. That should be your goal. right? You don't have to agree with a person or respect everything that they do. But we respect the person themselves as a creation of God. Next, Peter says, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. That's really simple. He just means love the church. Love the church. Love your spiritual family. So yes, yes, all, all humans are to, res- to be respected. All human beings. But there should be a special bond with us. There should be a special bond here. And let's remember, let's remember Our political commitments, our political affiliation is not more important than our relationships with one another. They're not. You can be red or blue, left, right. Regardless, we should seek to love one another from a pure heart and to serve one another. Peter also tells us to live as free servants of God. To do that, to live as free servants of God, we must fear God. We have to fear God. It means that we are cultivating a daily awe of the Lord, like a farmer, right? We're cultivating this daily awe, reverence for the Lord. We're seeking to to humbly revere God with our lives, And here's the thing, when we do that, when you do that, when you get to that place, it puts everything in its proper place. Everything comes into focus. Everything is put in perspective. But when we don't fear God, when we don't have this awe before him, things always, every single time, things always go sideways. Things always just get off balance, right? Worst case scenario is we lose our fear of God and we gain a fear of men. And that's, I think, a lot of what's going on in our world right now. From both sides, right? That's the news right now in America. 
The message on one side, if Trump wins and gets back in, we're all doomed. We have to be afraid of all those people on the right. And the message on the right is the same. If Biden gets in, if he gets in, we're all doomed. That's the end of our nation. And what do we do? We cower at that. We fear people rather than understanding this whole process. It's all under the authority. Yes, I have a civic responsibility. Right? I have an opinion. I debate. I discuss in a healthy, loving way. I vote. I can choose to do that. But in the end, I know he is sovereign over this whole thing. There's been a lot worse kings, a lot worse presidents in life. He's got it. He's in control. I fear him, not this process, not this world. Puts everything in perspective. Right? When we fear God, it helps us to not overvalue the world. I'm not saying hate the world, saying that, but it just helps it to put the world in its proper place. It helps us to stay hopeful no matter what. Knowing that, again, Jesus is over everything, and that ultimately in the end, there is one victor here. There's only one count, one vote that matters. Jesus wins. That's what ultimately matters. In four more years, three and a half years, we'll be doing this all over again. I promise you. We'll, we'll be right back here again. Ultimately, guess what? He's still on the throne. He still wins. He's still sovereign. So fear him. Fear him. And then finally, Peter says, ooh, this is the tough one, right? He says, honor the emperor. Honor him or her. So we're right back to where we started today in verse 13. We honor the king. We are subject to the king. And let me just say, again, I said this before, but I think it's safe for us to assume uh, Peter didn't like his emperor. Right? Again, the guy who was Nero, the guy who was murdering and torturing Christians and eventually him. I think it's safe to assume he didn't like the guy. But you can still honor someone you don't like. How do you do that? How do you do that? By coming to the understanding that that king, that leader, that he or she are in need of the same saving grace and mercy that you and I are in need of. We're all fallen. We're all broken. But again, all created in the image of God. And therefore, we're all worthy of respect and honor. Don't forget, in Genesis, uh, Joseph, Joseph served, served alongside of and with a pagan pharaoh. Daniel served with and alongside of a pagan Nebuchadnezzar. I chose the two who you'll have a hard time in the Bible finding fault with. Show me the fault. Was Daniel a sinner? Yep. But show me in the scripture where he went off track. Joseph, same. They served pagan kings alongside of them. Enemies of God. (laughs) Served with them. They served them. Except, again, except when it came to disobeying their God. 
then they stood firm. And so let's do likewise. Let's do likewise. One of our most well-known church fathers, St. Augustine, Augustine, depending on whatever, potato, tomato, tomato, Augustine, Augustine, he once said this, I think this is really good. He says this, the citizens of the city of God should be the very best citizens of the city of man. The citizens of the city of God, that's us, should be the very best citizens of the city of man that's here. I totally agree. So let's remember, you and I, you and I, Peter has already told us this. That's why he gives us this whole backdrop first, because this is tough. He's already told us, you and I are born again to a living hope. We have been ransomed from the futile ways of this world to a life with God. And that means that you and I, we are a part of what God is building. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, precious, set apart, a holy nation. We are a new people. And as a new people, as followers of Jesus, we have been given a new citizenship. Which means, which means that the most important thing about us is not our gender, our bank account, our skin color, our family history, or our political affiliation here on earth. Not at all. In Jesus, the most important thing about you and I is that we belong to him. And that now we are citizens of his kingdom. We are ambassadors of the king. And together, as the church, we are an embassy of heaven together. And those, those realities, those truths, those are the deepest politics of the universe. Listen to me. The Jesus that we share, the Jesus we share is infinitely more important than the politics that we don't share. So let's view the government. Let's view politics in light of who we are in Jesus. God created government for our good and for his purposes, which means, which means he is in control and Jesus is king over all. So let's be good citizens here for his sake and for the sake of the spread of the gospel. Let's live free because we are free. And as kingdom citizens, let's display to the world, let's show the world how our king's ways, how our politics here are deeply superior to the world's through the way that we live as citizens here. Would you pray with me?